Hey, it's good to be with you here in person. It's good uh, to be with those that are joining us online, wherever, however you're joining us. Welcome to Northern Hills Church. And we are thrilled that you're here with us because we are starting a new series. And this new series we're getting uh, going to get ready to dive into is called In the Ring. I want to start off by sharing for the next four weeks... We are extremely excited because we're going to be talking about the subject of marriage. That's where our marriage series is going to be taking us. And I don't know if you've noticed or not recently, but there are a lot of marriages that are struggling. I think especially in this unique past year we've all experienced, uh, there may be struggling in new and dynamic ways that we've never experienced before. God might be showing us something new about ourselves and about our marriages. Uh, has anybody seen this going on in, in your own life, maybe in the lives of others? Those marriages are just struggling. And I just want to share to start off this series that I believe God wants so much more for our marriages than just struggle. Again, that's what marriage is. It's the roller coaster of life, right? The ups and downs of the roller coaster. That's what marriage looks like. But he wants more than the struggle. We talked about belief last week. We talked about believing in something for our lives, believing about the goodness that God wants for each of us. And I believe with my full heart that God has something much better for our marriages. And so I hope you engage with this series over the next four weeks as we get in the ring. Now we're going to be fighting for our marriages. We're not going to be fighting in our marriages. That might be where some of this leads at some level with some good discussion and conversations, but we're going to be fighting for our marriages. And I want to make a disclaimer here because I think part of the fight is in relation to those of my divorced friends in the room or online. And here's what I mean by that. I believe the enemy in any given teaching series that's wrapped around marriages is looking to defeat the divorced one. I believe the enemy is looking to throw those flaming arrows of guilt and shame and any number of things of where you may sit and how you got to that point in your story. But I am here to tell you that there's going to be things within this series that God is going to show you his goodness through. Uh, whether you're remarried or whether you're uh, never looking to get remarried, God's goodness and, and his goodness in uh, this series will be evident. And so I just want to say that as a disclaimer to really get that out and into the open at the beginning of this series. We are glad you're here with us. And this series is also going to be for those that are pursuing marriage. That are those that are actually maybe wanting to uh, pursue a significant other. They're starting to have those conversations. They're, those conversations are already in the works. So we're going to fight for those individuals as well. We're going to fight for those that are not just preparing for marriage. Uh, but we're also going to be fighting for our marriages. Those of us that are here and married and looking to go the distance. And so we're going to get in the ring. <laughs> we're going to get in the ring uh, proverbially and fight. All right? What it also means, though, is we're going to look into the ring. We're going to look into the ring and the significance of what that ring is. Another way to say that is that when we get married on our wedding day, we make vows. We make promises. And in of those things, uh, what, what we experience in symbolism of those promises is the wedding ring. The, the wedding ring brings that symbolism towards those promises. And so we can't miss this. The promises that we make on our wedding day, they're significant. They're powerful. They mean something. 
And so there was a book that was written in 1994. Where were you in 1994? An author by the name of Jimmy Evans published a book called Marriage on the Rock. And in it, he spoke to different promises throughout this book. And it has been edited over time. Many different pastors and authors have taken their liberties with these promises. But for the next four weeks, we're going to lean into four of those promises. And we're gonna, uh, today we want to be looking at the promise of priority. The promise of priority within our marriages. How do we keep our priorities in the proper place within our married relationships? But before, before we dig in, before we even dig into that thought on priorities, I want to start off with the ladies this morning. All right, ladies first. And so what we're going to do is, I don't want you to raise your hands for this. I want you to just think internally and, and uh, answer this question. When you were a young woman, not a little girl, but more in those teenage years to, again, being a, a young woman, and the idea, the topic of marriage came up. What did you dream of for your future marriage? What marriage would look like? Did you dream of meeting the perfect man? Did you dream of having the perfect wedding? This is going to be some of you, and some of you are like, oh, I wasn't necessarily there. Did you dream about maybe the perfect house, the perfect setup, the perfect life that you would be living with that significant other? Did you dream about your kids? Maybe you even named the kids. And he had that dream sort of all encapsulated what marriage was going to look like. All right, now guys, I'm going to stay with you for a minute there. And just think internally, no hands raised. What were your dreams when it came to marriage? Think in your teenage years and being young men, maybe the thought of marriage, maybe because that was maybe the first time it was even introduced as a thought. What were your dreams about? Because God's created us very differently, hasn't he? I could guess that a lot of men, maybe not all men, but all men maybe, that your thoughts about marriage or your dreams were that you were going to have sex two to three times a day, every day for seven days a week in your marriage. And God's created us differently. We're different beings. We're different species, right? And so we had different dreams. I've actually had this conversation with my wife. It's fascinating to get in these topics and just sort of say, what do married or the pre-married couples think about? Now I'll ask everybody to think again. No hands raised. No, no, no. How many of you in this room are still waiting on your dreams to be met? Whatever your dreams were, whatever they were, what, your dreams about marriage, how many of you are still waiting on those dreams to be met? It's interesting. Uh, I'm actually in, currently counseling two different couples. And it's just for some premarital counseling. I've done countless premarital counseling sessions. And I confess at times, I feel like the Grinch who stole marriage when I'm doing these counseling sessions. Because literally, there's a first session that we spend time in where I'm taking off the rose-colored glasses of marital expectations, or at least where, where their mindset might be as pre-marrieds with uh, marital expectations. I don't want to remove those rose-colored glasses completely, but I find myself doing that. Did you ever see the game Duck Hunt? Duck Hunt was a game that first came out with Nintendo, and it was sort of the, the gun attached to the console, and you'd be able to aim at the screen, and there would be ducks that would fly out of brush and, and, and trees, and then you were trying to aim for the ducks. I feel like that guy. They, they, their dreams of marital bliss are the ducks, and I'm the guy just shooting them down over time, right? That's, that's sort of just the makeup of what those sessions look like. It's interesting. It's interesting to me how sometimes our expectations of what we hope marriage will be 
seem to fall way short of what it actually ends up being for many of us. And if you look around today, we have to admit that so many marriages, they're not working quite like we expected them to work. In fact, it's really, really scary when you look at the statistics. Depending on what article you read or what survey or study you engage with, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of marriages don't make it. Now, that's just not for a family or a couple or individuals that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's for Christian couples as well. And that's horrifying to me. Think about it. In any other area of our lives, if something was important, that we knew that we could lose, and there was a 50% chance of losing it, don't you think we'd actually seriously approach it in a different way? We'd be pretty dramatic about it. We would uh, prepare for that in a different way. Don't you think we'd do everything in our possible power that we had to eliminate that potential danger? In other words, if you have children, and there was a 50% chance that they were going to get killed in a car wreck, you would make sure that they were taken care of prior to entering into any car. Let's say a stranger that was going to, or a friend of the family, excuse me, that was going to drive them somewhere. You would put that helmet on them, buckle them in yourselves, make sure you knew the driver, make sure you knew where they were going and what path they were taking. You would take every kind of precaution. There's a ton of wildlife where I tend to walk on a regular basis around my neighborhood. You'll run into the inevitable rabbit or the bird that's flying around, just engaging with wildlife. But if there was a 50% chance that I would run into a grizzly bear as part of that wildlife, there's a, a beyond that 50% chance that I would be attacked by that bear out on my walks, I'm not running in my cute shorts anymore. I'm not running in my cute running shorts. I'm putting on full body armor, taking a rifle with me every run I take. And some of you right now are picturing me in cute running shorts. And you're throwing up in your mouth a little bit. But my wife thinks I'm cute. And so there's that, right? We would take every kind of measure. Are you ready for this? With the odds being what they are, with so many marriages not really going quite as we expected, not quite the distance, I would argue that the marriages that are struggling is because often we haven't placed our priorities in the right place. That actually spiritually prepared people that live through marriage, a marriage that's going to honor God first, are set up that much more. And if you ask me today, is a God-honoring marriage even possible, Brandon? Is a God-honoring great marriage even possible? I would tell you what we're going to continue to tell you week after week after week in this marriage series. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, emphatically, completely, yes. Yes, that is possible. And that's possible for your marriage. But it's not likely. It's not likely if we follow the path that many people today encourage us to follow. See, we make promises when we put that ring on the other individual. And here's the promise that we're looking at today. Again, to repeat it, promise of priority. How do we keep our priorities in the proper place in our relationships? I want to start with this very common belief that many of us have, and we've grown up with it, and we perpetuate it with our young kids. This is a common belief, and kids are taught this from Disney fairy tale movies. Uh, They're taught from the books we read, the love stories we engage with growing up, and it's a common idea that you can be fulfilled in your life by the one. If you meet the one, you're going to be happy. If you meet your prince or princess, then life is going to have meaning, so you better find the one. And I'm trusting, I'm praying 
that through this series, even today's message, that we're going to come out of this message feeling very, very different. And I'm not trying to be the Grinch here. I'm just hoping that many of us will say, instead of, I think I've met the one, or I'm longing to meet the one, we'll say, you know what, I think I, think I met the two. I think I want to meet and prepare to meet the two. Why? Because God is our one and our spouse is our two. God is our one and our spouse is our two. Jesus, Jesus said this very clearly. When someone said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love that we can be in scripture. We just talked about this scripture four or five weeks ago. Pastor John was talking to us when we were uh, in our last series, just talking about self-awareness and self-care. We were spending time in this very scripture and focused on that idea of that second commandment that's equally important to the first commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we focused on why we need to care for ourselves because we're really bad about doing that. But isn't it fascinating how God still will use his word? And we're here this morning, Jesus replying, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is the priority. The text is saying, make God your number one. God is first, people come next. That's the priority. And with modern culture, modern culture telling us to look out for the one, that the one is gonna be the one that completes us. Many of us have left, we've been left wanting. We've been left looking for this wedded bliss or this relationship in our, our lives where our expectations just get unmet over time. And we begin to wonder if the grass is greener somewhere else, if, if the grass is greener in someone else. We have these unreasonable expectations that we place on another person. I just want to ask, do you want to be the one? Do you want to be the one that have those expectations put on you? To be the one, to be perfect, to be the perfect individual that's meeting everybody else's thought of what should be met. Why do we force those that we love? Why do we force our significant, significant other to be and meet those expectations for us then? See, God is the one. God is the one who's going to complete us. He created us to love him and, uh, with, with, with our whole heart and to put him in front of everybody above all else. God is our one, our spouses are two. And to have a marriage that really honors God, to have that kind of marriage, we need to be putting God first in our relationship. That becomes the priority and then our spouse is second. And I want to say to those of us that one day hope to be married, this is your opportunity to put that at the forefront. That can be a promise you make today, that you're going to seek the one while preparing for the two. I'm going to seek the one while I prepare for that two. And one of my p- favorite pastors, Andy Stanley, he says it this way. And I believe this is, it's absolutely so important. Just jot this down if you are taking notes this morning or online. He says this, become the person you're looking for is looking for. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. 
And I love that because another way to say that is you might be searching for someone that is chasing after God with all of their heart, with all of their mind, with all of their soul, that they're prioritizing God in everyday life. But in other words, what Andy Stanley is saying is you prioritize because many of us are looking, that per- looking for that person. So what you're looking for is what you should become. Live for God. Devote your lives to him. Make him king. Make him first in your life. That you're always seeking after the one. I'll seek after the one while he prepares me to meet my two. And for those of us that are married, this is our promise. And this comes from Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. It's all Bible. It's all truth. Genesis chapter 2 is a place that we're going to continue to go back to and look into throughout this series. It's one specific scripture that we'll look in. And this is the, the context for this is that Adam was living. And he was living his life and there was no suitable helper for him. And so God said, you know what, this isn't good. This isn't good. And he put him into a deep sleep. He took out his rib and he formed Eve. Now Adam engages with Eve. Whoa. In fact, he said, whoa, man, right? Like, this is my dad joke for the morning. That's how we got the name, whoa, man, right? My daughter's shaking her head somewhere, completely embarrassed. Don't worry, it gets worse. It gets worse through the morning, so. But this here's what happens. Stay with me here. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Other versions of the Bible will tell you that they become one flesh. Now, the word leaves, it's a really important word here because it comes from a root Hebrew word that means to loosen. It means to relinquish. In other words, when we're growing up, our main human relationship that we dedicate our lives to, that we honor above all else, is that relationship with our mother or father. We always honor mom and dad. But upon getting married, upon meeting the one, then our, our priority shifts. And they become the primary, relation, primary relationship that uh, becomes uh, the focus of our lives. That's our spouse. Our God is our one. And our spouse then becomes that primary human relationship after God. And pa- Pastor John's going to talk a little bit more about that secondary relationship next week. But the problem is, the problem that we run into is so often, we believe when we meet the one, they need to become the one. And then God gets shelved. He's put on the shelf because we meet the one for our happiness. We meet the one, and now we're supposed to be fulfilled. Remember the context of the Genesis passage. The context is that Adam was living. There was no suitable helper for him. And who identified that? God. God identified this and said, this isn't good. And we would do well to remember that because our relationship with God being the most important is a relationship where someone's going to identify in each of our lives what's best for our lives. He knows what we need before we even ask for it. There was no suitable helper for Adam. This isn't good. Our God cares about the desires of our heart. He cares about our very souls. And so he provides Adam with this suitable helper. But when the spouse becomes the one, I think we loosen, we relinquish, that relationship 
to God. We put him on the shelf. And then things become distorted in marriage. Here's what I mean. Here's one of the nuggets I'm learning within marriage. When we make our spouse number one, at the beginning, we idolize them. But then, over time, we begin to demonize them. That's what happens in our marriage. When we make them number one. If God's not our number one over time, we view our spouse, that view of our spouse, again, it comes dis- distorted. Just think about this. If you've made your spouse number one, you maybe identify with this a little bit, but here's what happens at the beginning. You idolize. Oh, you're amazing. You, you hang the moon. You're, you're perfect. You're everything in my life. You're everything I've ever wanted. Ladies, you might say at the beginning, ah, oh, he's so laid back. I just love that guy. Like, he just seems so easygoing and, and so just letting the world come at him. And he just relaxed and engages with everyone. He's so easy to get along with. And then you get married. And over time, oh, he's a lazy bum. This guy needs to be mowing the lawn around here. What's this guy doing? Like, get, get to doing something, right? Guys, oh, she's so organized. I love how driven she is. I love how she's got everything put together. She's, she's just, oh, she's, she's so amazing and, and she's so focused on what she wants. And then you get married. Oh, there's so much to do. And she's overly organized and she's driving me crazy. And in the name of Jesus, could you just stop for a moment, right? We idolize and then we demonize. That's what we do. And that's what happens when we make our spouse the one. The problem is we're asking our spouse to meet a need or or to to fit into a personality that they're not designed to meet. They're not designed that way because God didn't create them that way. And he's the only one that can meet that need. I find it so ironic. Part of the marriage counseling that I have, part of the discussions you get in, is that how over time you try to change the person you married. That's fascinating to me because that's not why a lot of us got married in the first place. We got married because we didn't want to marry ourselves. We didn't want to marry anybody like us. We found, fell in love with the other individual because they were different. Because, yeah, we had some similarities and maybe some commonalities. Of course, that's every marriage. But they were also different. And the way they saw life, the way they looked at life was unique. We wanted that to be part of our lives. We wanted to marry that person. Then years take place. You're trying to bring that person over to your side. You've made them the one, and now you're trying to turn them into the biggest one, which is you. That's not how God intended it. This is the kind of thing that happens when God's put on the shelf, and he becomes the second priority. So those early stages, we'll meet our girlfriend, and they're the priority. You'll meet your boyfriend. He becomes the priority. Evolves, the relationship changes, it becomes more committed, and now the spouse becomes the priority. And then what happens over the course of marriage is that at times, that human relationship, your spouse, doesn't even get second place. Again, we can talk about this more as we get into the series, but who become the priority over time? Children. Our kids become the priority. They come along, and all this time, God is still on the shelf, just wanting to be the number one. Fast forward now to your deathbed. Fast forward. If you could imagine, if you were blessed enough to have some weeks as you prepared for eternity, I believe this is where our priorities become incredibly clear. As a pastor, I have engaged with so many individuals, too, too many to count, where there's two things that matter at the end, those end conversations. And the two things are God and family. 
Those are the two things that matter. People that are on their deathbed, people even that haven't had a relationship with God and wouldn't have had a relationship with God up until that point, there's generally a couple things they're asking. And some of those first things that they're asking is, uh, am I in good standing? Generally, the first thing that people ask is, uh, is, is God okay with how I live my life? Do you, do you know Pastor Brandon? And again, you engage in those difficult conversations. I, 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 hope, I hope I didn't let God down. I hope I, I did the most with what God gave me. And it's all centered. The priority is so clear that it's centered around God. Soon to follow will be, where, where's my family? Are my loved ones here? Is my spouse here? Are my kids here? My friends? That's what happens at the end. God and family. And whenever anything takes the place of God as priority, as number one, even the good things like our spouse or our kids or, or our parents, our siblings, friendships, any other relationship, that's not how God intended those relationships to function with him on the shelf, with him outside of things. We're not living according to how God created it. Okay, so what? So now what? I just want to give us a simple thought this morning. As we consider that it's not always the disturbing things, it's not always the bad things that destroy marriages. Sometimes, often it can be the good things that begin that deterioration of our marriages. I want us to focus, or our relationships for that matter. I want us to just focus on a simple thought this morning. Protect the priorities. Protect the priorities. So do you want to fight for your marriage? Do you want to see your marriage flourish? And have fruit behind it? You want your marriage to grow? I'm going to start with a second way you do that. And then we're going to go to the first way you do that. We'll conclude with the first way. But the second way. Here's where we start. The second way you protect the priority of God being number one is by asking, are we pursuing God together? Are we pursuing God together? And I think a lot of that has to do with just serving with one another. That may be serving in the church. That may be serving outside of the church, but just serving with one another. And don't tell your story. I know uh, my, in my marriage, we got caught up in this a lot. My, I was wired for sound to be with students and, and just do student ministry for so many years. Go on the trips, go on the missions trips, be part of small group culture with teens. My wife wasn't. That just wasn't a complete passion of her. She, she dove into the occasional small group and attended the occasional trip or was at the uh, occasional youth group night, but she wasn't there for every single youth ministry thing. If you're serving with one another, if you're serving with your spouse, it may mean that you go off to one area in the church and they go serve at another area. Or they serve outside with some very outside of the four walls things that they just get, get passionate about. And then the other individual serves here on a Sunday morning or any other opportunity that's involved with the ministry here because that lights their fire. It's an okay thing. But you come back together and you share stories about how you're serving together. Another, how are we, how are we seeking after God together? Another thing is just being in community. Being in community with other couples that are chasing after Jesus. It's seeking after God desperately. It's one of our core values here. And so maybe you do that through a book you're reading together. Maybe you do that through reading through the scripture. Maybe it's through a podcast you both listen to and you follow up to here. What'd you think about that? A lot of online viewing right now for different messages, different teaching. Maybe it's that. Let's 
let's dive into a very underutilized discipline. Are you praying together? Are you praying with your spouse? I'm telling you, that's the one that God just nailed me this last week. Just taking time to pray over Jenny. Pray over her concerns. That's something that I've been lacking in my marriage. We just lift up our kids and, and their concerns as a, as a couple, as a unit. Maybe it's a simple text. I'm praying this over you right now. We can be praying with our significant other. Making God number one. We ask ourselves, this is the second thing we do. We, we ask ourselves, how are we pursuing God together? This, that's the second thing. The first thing we do, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves, am I pursuing God individually? Am I pursuing God individually? Become the person you want to be married to. And you do that by seeking after him every single day as an individual. <laughs> and if our realities aren't living up to our dreams, I think we, not, we need to not be so quick to point the finger. We need to just get in the room with a mirror. And when we do that, God's going to teach us something because some of you feel out of love right now. Some of you are just, your love tank is empty. You don't really feel like you have much more to give. And I would encourage you to lean into the one whose love never runs out. And that's love he has for you. Some of you think, I don't have any more strength. You don't know my story, Brandon. You don't know the struggles and the issues that we've had. And so I am tapped. I don't have any more strength to give it yet another try. I'd encourage you to rely on the strength of Jesus Christ. And his strength can help you get through the next day. And then the next day. And it may not be in that one huge bite that you take, but little bites along the way where you're just spending time with God as an individual. Look, our past and our present hurts, I get it. They might be many. I think you're going to even hear from our pastors through this series some of the things that we've had to go through even as, as pastors, as couples as well. They might be many, but we can only commit to a better future by starting now. We can only commit to a better future by the choices we choose to make now. So chase after God today. We protect the priorities. I want to encourage you for a next step to engage in our marriage night that's creeping up here in early May. Okay? I'm going to encourage you to be part of marriage night on May 8th. It's from 6 to 9 here. That's a Saturday evening. It's $30 per couple. I think this can be a simple next step to engage with a simulcast, to engage with other individuals. It's going to be a great opportunity where we come here, hear from some great teachers, some great speakers. We're going to laugh, might cry a little bit. We might engage a little bit on a, on a deeper level with our spouse. There's going to be Q&A time with your significant other. There's going to be some fun conversations had amongst many. And so maybe that's just the one step. What, what do I do? I don't know if we need counseling, Brandon. I don't need, know if we need to start meeting with a pastor. Maybe that's the first step to take the next one. Just by simply getting to a marriage night in early May. That's what I want to encourage all of us to be about, okay? Listen. The promises we make. The promises we make on our wedding day. What do those revolve around? Some of you have either been to the wedding or these were in your uh, wedding what do we say? Well, for better or for worse, right? Richer 
or poorer. In the good times and the bad. In sickness and in health. And we're smart enough in here. We get this. Relationships, just in general, they contain all those things. Our relationships, not even outside of our spouse, they contain the good and the bad and the ugly, everything in between. That's just how life is, right? And what I'm continuing to find, especially with just what we've been navigating as a family recently, is that the only one who's going to sustain you, the only one who's going to meet each and every need on demand when you, ha- when you have it is God. Now, his answer may not be an answer you want to hear. His press into your life may be the thing that's going to stretch you. But he's got an answer. Sometimes that's just wait. Sometimes that's just keep listening. But he's the one that's going to sustain us. He's the only one that can meet our every need. Look, if having the marriage of your dreams, if that were easy, then you would already have it. But marriage is work. Marriage takes work. It takes choice, daily choice to step into. But the first choice we need to make, the first choice we need to prioritize is by making God number one. And then we will see when, when we prioritize right, when we get him off the shelf, because <laughs> he's present and he's waiting, he's available. In fact, he's chasing after each one of us. When we prioritize that, make him number one and stop looking to change the other person, but say, God, how are you just changing me? We're going to see some fruit. We're going to see our marriages change for the better. Let's keep God number one and keep your spouse too. Okay? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. God, you're teaching me so much about married life right now. God, you're teaching me so much about just my marriage and the things that you're constantly looking to grow me and that you're looking to grow Jenny and I in. And so, God, I'm so grateful that we're actually spending time over the next four weeks just having this conversation, this conversation about promises that we've made, promises for many of us, it's been long ago that we've made those. Lord, life's not perfect. We seem to not fulfill that promise or fall short of that promise, maybe on the daily, maybe on the monthly. And God, we're so grateful that we serve someone, that we, <laughs> that someone has called us sons and daughters that has never, ever broken a promise, that is perfect in the promises that he keeps. Thank you, God, for being the one that we can lean on for everything, that you can meet every need when you become the one in each of our lives. And so, God, that's what we're confessing. That's what I'm confessing. That's my heart's confession is I want to continue to make you the one, to take all the other things I've prioritized and, and move those around if I need to, but to never lose sight that you're always priority number one in my life, God. Help each of us grow in that. Help each of us trust you in that. And God, thank you for chasing after us. Thank you that our pasts and our present hurts and the things that we think aren't going to accomplish much in our marriages now 
are just in your sight opportunity to bring beauty out of ashes. And the God of the, the hills and the God of the valleys is going to enter into our moments to be God in all of it and to show us something amazing. And God, that's what we claim and that's what we trust today. That's what we hold on to, that truth. And God, that's who we celebrate in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for my friends. We pray these great things in your powerful name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.